Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoyk. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Books. And Anna, as people can tell from our new music, it's a new year here at Behind the Books. That's right. We took, we did a little search and we found some new music just to kind of mix it up a little bit. It just kind of helps us keep uh, our lives organized. Don't you think, Bob? We know what episode is from what year by our music that we have. That's right. So now when people go back into the archives and listen to the old episodes, they'll know from the opening music, whether it was from the first year, the second year, or now as we head into our third year of Behind the Books. And we're quite excited. We have two guests to kick off year three that I think people are going to enjoy listening to. Tanushri Ganguly from our Robbinsville branch, where she works at the circulation desk and had an interesting story to tell us about her journey to the library. And our author guest, Vera Hiranandani. People may recognize her name. She's the author of The Night Diary, which is a book for uh, middle grade readers. And a lot of the schools use that as a summer reading book. And we also talked to her some about her newest book, which is called How to Find What You're Not Looking For. So I think we're starting our year three off with a bang, and I'm excited to share both of these interviews with everybody. Anna, before we get to our interviews, one other thing I wanted to say for our listeners is that every once in a while, you know, you, you might be wanting to give us a little feedback, which we certainly welcome. If you have any feedback for us, or if you have a certain uh, type of author that you'd like us to try to contact to get onto the podcast, feel free to pass us a message through your local branch. Let them know that you're interested and they'll get the message on to us here at Behind the Books. And before, Anna, people get to hear our interview with Tanushri, they're going to get to hear our new Between Segments music. And we'll be back with Tanushri in a moment. Welcome to this part of Behind the Books, where we take the time to interview a staff member from the Mercer County Library System. Today, we are interviewing Tanushri Ganguly from the Robbinsville branch, who works in circulation up there. Tanushri, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to you all. We're so excited to chat with you. Um, it's just been so much fun this past two years that we've been doing this. We get to talk to people from all over the system. Um, and one of the things that I love to find out is how people ended up at the branch that they're at. So could you give us a little background on how you ended up at the Robbinsville branch? Yeah, and, uh, um, I this is my 11th year working in the system. Uh, my journey in the MCLS library, I would say, goes back when my son was two and a half years old. So I used to bring my son for story time with Michelle Cromwell, our youth services librarian. And as he would do the story time, I would sit in the corner of the library in a sofa and think how fun it would be to work here. So one day I actually got up to the, like really had the courage to ask Michelle, and uh, went up to her and said that, how did you apply in the library? I would love to work here when I'm ready. So Michelle said, whenever you're ready, just get a application and submit and they will interview if, if your resume is interesting. 
So there I go. And a couple of uh, visits later on, Anne-Marie gives me a call that I see your application and I heard you are interested if you would like to come for an interview. So she interviewed me and I was offered the job. So, and I started working uh, at the Robbinsville branch when my son started going to kindergarten. So he is a sophomore now. So this is my 11th year. That's such a great story. And you're not the first person that we've interviewed that's had that situation where they, they come to the library, they enjoy it so much, and then they think, boy, this would be a great place to work. So now that you've been here for 11 years, I'm, I'm assuming that you have found that it's been a great place to work. Yeah, I can say right away, I'm not disappointed. Did you ever, like, had you ever thought about working in libraries before? You know, I had volunteered when I first came in this country from India. I didn't have the authorization to work. So I volunteered in the library. That not in this branch, but we used to live in Plainsboro that time. So I volunteered there at the library. And of course, the whole atmosphere in the library, the vibe attracted me a lot. And then I did not consider as a library assistant as my career. I joined bank when I first started the employment. But then I had my son, I stepped back and I was not working. But then again, when I moved to Robbinsville, I started coming in the library. I again had that instinct in me that, oh my God, I would love to work here. In the beginning, I thought it would be fun. As you said, it's not just about sitting there and reading books. I can explain it to y'all in a very different way. It is like a stage where we are all ready at 9.30 to perform. But the backstage is like the cast and crew, you know, the backstage crew. So my son had done stage crew. So I reflect myself thinking that, that backstage crew is something like that. In the morning, we pull the holes, get the books, do the book drop, check the book, like the DVD drop, process the holes, clean the building, and we are all set to open the door. But when a patron walks in, it's so nice, right? So that time I was also thinking it's maybe just reading books, it's fun, but you get a different vibe altogether, which is fun, I would say, at this point. That is an awesome analogy because it is. I mean, there's people that are out kind of on the front line, like on yeah. the stage per se, right? But then you've got all this activity in the back yeah. um, that's making it work. And especially for us as a circulation team member, we are right ready to perform as soon as the bell rings. So you don't have like a back gear, oh, I'll go first or you'll go first. You're right there. And you described a bunch of the things that you that you do in circulation. Do you have anything in particular that you find like your favorite thing to do? Is it interacting with the patrons? Do you have something that you really enjoy to getting to yeah. do every day? Uh, I would say circulation, as a circulation team, my favorite job is interacting with the patrons. And, you know, over the years, since I've been working here for almost like 11 years now, and Robbinsville is a small community, you get to know the people. And they feel very, like, they feel very delighted when you know their names, when you can connect with them. Even when I go to India, they check that, oh, whether I have come back or whether my family is doing okay. 
So uh, that makes you feel special. And they are also very delighted. They feel special that somebody knows their name. So a big part of it is interacting. Like a lot of people love my jewelry. I like to dress up. So they would say, oh, where did you get this from? And they would ask me, when, when was my last visit? Or did my mom send it to me? So those are things which you have kind of like, you know, you gathered over the last years working here. It's, it's a fun place to work. Well, I know that when Bob and I got to come in and we had a chance to kind of talk with everybody and it really is, it's just a lovely, lovely staff yeah, that's yeah. out there and the building and Anne-Marie and Michelle and Eileen and all of you, you do such a great job. Everybody, I would say like the one thing which really binds me at Robbinsville is my teammates. Excellent work co-workers. And you know, we are like a family here. We all look out for each other who is out, who is not there, we will text them if they are doing okay or if any family member is out or something like that. So we feel really, and it's also for me, it makes a big difference because I don't have an immediate family here. Yeah. So the workplace is my family away from home, but it's fun. So, so other than the circulation, checking in, checking out, uh, customer service, all this thing, I also took take care of the payroll so, so generally, that is one of the main responsibilities I take care of at the brand. I also wanted to mention that I do the Diwali program also. So uh, that was a part of the huge community bringing together, which is an Indian festival, which was also part of the bringing the community together. But uh, like the, the people really felt part of the library system. And also uh, before COVID, we used to do like a new patron packet brochure type of thing, which we used to hand it to people who made library cards for the first time. So that was also my big responsibility. We are, not, we are doing it in a different way now, just the brochures, but we'll soon be, we'll be back with the folders again. And it's nice because you're not the first person that we've talked to that's also mentioned how like their co-workers are kind of like an extended family which seems like that's something that each branch kind of has their own identity right and you guys are are at the Robbinsville branch and and you all get along and, and that is that part of what makes it so special for you I think it is a big it, it's a big part of your coming to work every day because if you know the faces you'll be seeing every day at work that times you get, makes it easier, like you ease into the situation, no matter you might have a difficult day. Of course, we all have difficult patrons, we all have difficult days, but it's just like, you know, the backup is there. So you kind of like ease into the situation and you, you enjoy having fun with them. At the end of the day, we kind of make fun out of the work and we have a nice time. Well, we've been talking with Tanutri Ganguly, just talking about um, her work at the Robbinsville branch. And it is so obvious that you are passionate about what you're doing and that I'm sure you bring that joy every day to the branch. So thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. It was lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. And thank you, Bob, for giving me this opportunity to talk to you. Loved it.
Welcome back, everyone, to the next segment of Behind the Books, where we talk about some of the programs that we have coming up for you here in the early part of November. And Anna, it's hard to believe that we were already into November, but we've got a lot of stuff in store for our patrons. I am in such denial that we're in November, but we are. But with that, like you said, we've got some great programs coming up. Let me talk about the first one, which I wanted to make sure everybody knew about. Uh, on Monday, November 7th at 7 in the evening, we have the 10 warning signs of Alzheimer's. Um, and this program is going to help attendees recognize common signs uh, in yourself and in, and in others, as well as what next steps uh, should be taken if you do have concerns. And this is gonna be presented by Robin Cohen, who is the Director of Programs and Services for the Alzheimer's Association of the Greater New Jersey Chapter. And again, that is Monday, November 7th at seven in the evening. And that is a virtual program. So you would need to register to get the link to meet with us on our GoTo platform. And then the other program I wanted to talk about, this is we've had Dr. Richard Veit for two other programs this fall, and this is going to be the third in his series. And Dr. Veit is the professor of anthropology uh, at Monmouth University. And he's going to be talking about the archaeology and the Delaware Indians and that 12,000-year odyssey. And I think this is going to be just fascinating. It's going to examine New Jersey's rich history in uh, Native American people. And I encourage everyone to uh, register for that one, which again is a virtual program. Uh, and we will make sure we link to our events calendar so you can find where to register and we will get the link to you so you can join us online. And then in November is also, uh, some of our patrons might be aware, NaNoWriMo, which for those who see that and wonder what it means. It stands for National Novel Writing Month. And we provide a platform, correct, for people if they're interested in doing it to be able to follow through on that? Well, obviously, our spaces are always open for people to come in and write. But some of our branches are specifically marking off time, uh, kind of scheduling time for those people who want to come in and write with others. Um, just to provide a space, um, because writing doesn't have to be a solitary act. Uh, some people might like to meet with other authors and kind of bounce ideas off of each other. So if you go to our events page, you can see the numerous branches who are participating in what they call our come write in events. So you can come right in and sit down and write. And I remember one year that we had somebody in the branch that was writing it and they were kind of streaming it while they did it, watching the creative process in, in, uh, in live action. They did. They would have the, their novel projected on the screen and participants could uh, guess how many words he had already written and how many words he would write by the end of the day. We're always happy with any program that encourages creativity, writing, and we have a very creative writer coming up next as our next guest. People are going to be happy to hear when we have our chat with Vera here in Nandani, and that will be coming up in a moment. Vera Hiranandani, author of the Newbery Honor winning The Night Diary, earned her MFA in creative writing at Sarah Lawrence College. A former editor at Simon & Schuster, she now teaches creative writing at Sarah Lawrence College's Writing Institute. She's the author of The Whole Story of Half a Girl, 
which is a Sydney Taylor notable book and the South Asia Book Award finalist. Her most recent middle grade novel, How to Find What You're Not Looking For, is on the same award-winning track as her previous works, including the 2022 Sydney Taylor Book Award and the New York Historical Society's annual Children's History Book Prize, just to name two of many. Vera, thank you so much for taking time to uh, talk with us today. Thank you for having me. I kind of wanted to start out talking about um, how to find what you're not looking for, which first of all, I love the title and it really gets into some deep topics. You know, it's this middle schooler, um, Ariel Goldberg, and she's, um, this is all during the time of the 1967 case, the Loving versus Virginia decision. Right. And her older sister has, has run away basically um, and married uh, a guy who is from Bombay, correct? So they're grappling with this interracial marriage and it's just, there's so much more going on in this story. And I feel like I could talk to you for hours about it because you do, you cover um, so many different things, but I want to start out with that theme first, because that's a big one in there. And just what was it that you, that made you want to write this book? And it's such a great book, especially for that, for middle schoolers. And it's a big topic. So what was it for you? It really was inspired by my own parents' marriage. So they got married in 1968, and my mother was born in this country, grew up in Brooklyn. She's Jewish American, and she married my father in 1968, who is originally from India. Um, His family went through the partition um, and then ended up in Bombay, now Mumbai. And then he came here in the 60s um, and met my mom. And so when they got married, they had to deal with a lot of the issues that come up and how to find what you're not looking for. My mother's parents, my grandparents were not in favor of the marriage. Um, my father's parents weren't living anymore. So that is different than the, the book. Um, so he didn't have as much parental pressure. He had older sisters and brothers who had hoped he would marry somebody Indian and Hindu. Um, But it wasn't quite the same as, you know, a parent's disapproval. But my grandparents, who I grew up very close to, my Jewish grandparents, at first were really upset about the marriage and um, wanted to sort of my my grandfather came from an Orthodox family and felt like this, he was sort of his duty as a, a Jewish father to say to my mother, if you know, you're not going to sort of continue um, the kind of Jewish family line, you know, it's our duty to sort of reject you from the family. And that was something that he felt was being sort of a good Jewish father in that way. And it's sort of at the last minute, he ended up having a discussion with a rabbi who told him not to do this, that it was his daughter and that he um, had to follow his heart and not cut ties with his daughter. And I think because he heard that from a rabbi, he was able to kind of follow what he wanted to do, which was to figure it out. And they did. And, and then they evolved. And I grew up in a a very kind of blended family. Not that there weren't any issues growing up at times where, you know, my grandparents felt like we weren't being raised Jewish enough. And then I always felt kind of separate from the Hindu traditions on the Indian side of my family. So I wanted to kind of bring that all in to a fictional story um, and explore more of the Jewish side of my family. So that's why I created Ariel, um, who, you know, is younger. And I didn't want to tell exactly my parents' story, 
but I wanted to open up all these ideas. So that's sort of where my long answer to where Ariel came from. And it, it's such an immersive story. And I think it's, and I'm sure other people have told you this, but because it's written in the second person, which is very unique. And I think that's what helps it because there is a lot going on. There's her learning um, disability that she has, um, dysgraphia. There's things that she's dealing with, um, with the bakery and, you know, the issues that are happening there. There's a lot for this 12, you know, 11, 12 year old girl. There's so much going on. And I felt like I was in it. And I think that's the second person narrative that it's written in. Yeah, I think um, the second person has always been something that I've played with. I've tried other stories and and other my first novel um <clears throat> the whole story of half a girl i actually wrote a draft in second person but it just wasn't working then at that point so i wanted to try it again and somehow it just felt like it clicked more for me because i do love the way the second person maybe it feels a little different at first kind of possibly even awkward at first because you're not used to reading in second person especially a younger reader um but at the I feel like as it evolves, it kind of links arms with the reader and sort of forces the reader to become the character in maybe a way that they've never experienced before. So I thought it would be interesting whether you have a lot in common with Ariel, a Jewish girl growing up in 1967 um, with dysgraphia and the things that are happening in her family, whether you relate to that or not, you sort of have to become Ariel for, for the time of the novel, maybe in in a different way than you you even become characters in other books. So that's the reason that I, I chose to do it. And I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Well, and then that's in, in contrast to um, The Night Diary, where it's all given to us from Nisha's story, basically storytelling, writing to her, mo to her mother who's passed away. And that's another topic where you took something on the partition of India and the division in her family having to, to flee their home. I mean, it's a pretty big topic again. And one of the things that when Anne and I were talking about people to have on, like, we know, The Night Diary is a book that's in this area is on the summer reading list for a lot of middle schools. And and is that something like when you're putting these stories together, do you do you think, uh, you know, maybe this will be on a on a summer reading list? Are you gearing it toward a certain age group? Like, how do you put all that together? I, I don't really think about reading lists and anything like that awards if I did I it would completely freeze me up so um in my writing process I really start from a very personal place so I find my own family history fascinating it sort of become has become my muse I grew up feeling confused about some of my identity I grew up in a small town in Connecticut I always felt like I was the only person around who had the kind of background that I had and it, it definitely was a, a source of conflict for me growing up. And as I became an adult, I became so grateful for what it sort of allowed me to do in the sense that I could relate to a lot of different types of people. I, I, I understood what it felt like to feel sort of other in a community. Um, I, I can relate to, you know, my, my South Asian side of my family, my Indian side of my family, my Jewish side of my family, and kind of move between a lot of different identities. So it kind of gives me this flexibility that I, I really am glad that I have. So I'm always looking at 
starting from that personal place and seeing how it can branch off in different historical things that my own family went through, um, different issues that I had of trying to create one whole identity out of multiple identities. And so, you know, I'm writing a character that's has two South Asian parents, two Indian parents. I'm writing about a character who has two Jewish parents that I don't. So I'm sort of stepping outside of myself at the same time, exploring different aspects of maybe like the, a person I could have been in a sense. So it's all very personal and that's what drives me. And then because I'm exploring different historical contexts that my, my family history kind of has, has been through, it maybe it's, it becomes, it, it hits on bigger topics that way. But I do really start in the very kind of just for very selfish reasons, <laughs> my own exploration. You might have, you, you kind of answered this a little bit because for example, the partition of India, I didn't study that in school. And it is such a, a, a deep topic and a historical topic and, but you make it so accessible. And I'm thinking, do you, I mean, I'm like, how does she do this? Make it accessible to these middle grade readers. I mean, is it a gut feeling? Do you have a test group? I mean, it's because it really is. Thank you. Um, it, that also comes from a very personal place. I was not the best history student growing up. I definitely had some attention issues. I focused on things I really enjoyed and couldn't really take in or couldn't pay attention to things that I wasn't intrinsically interested in. And so, you know, my own schooling was very kind of up and down. And so as I became older and interested in history that had a personal connection to me, I wanted to write stories for young people that if I was growing up and if I was in middle school, I could read it and understand that history in a way that a history book just was never able to reach me. And so I am writing it for the, the kid I was and knowing that there are a, a lot of readers out there who would appreciate that as well. So I'm simplifying it from, and even just as an adult, I'm simplifying it for myself and in a way that I can understand. And then, you know, sort of passing it on. It, it, I, I kind of, that inner 12 year old in my brain is very alive. So I don't have a lot of trouble slipping back into that headspace. What I find very interesting too is that, I mean, they're books that are geared toward middle grade readers, but I feel like anybody, any age could pick up these books and enjoy them and learn something from them. I mean, you know, I've learned a lot just reading through that book of things that I didn't know about. And it's like you write a book that's geared toward middle grade, but really they're, we've talked about this with other authors, they're for anybody, right? Anybody could read these books. Sure. I always say my books are from ages like nine to 99 or, or above because I, I see myself as, I mean, I definitely am writing for young readers. I, I, they're a very important audience for me and I am, I'm writing the books that I wish I had growing up um, to sort of explore my own identity and also just to communicate things in the way that I sort of wanted them communicated to me. So the young reader is kind of first and foremost in my mind, but I'm really trying to get through to the truth of the character, seeing the world through that 12 year old's eyes as accurately as I can. I'm thinking more about that than necessarily who exactly is gonna be reading it. When I'm certainly when I'm first writing my early drafts that I'm just trying to, transmit the story through their eyes as truthfully as I can. 
Well, we've been talking with Vera Hira Nandani, who is the author of the Newbery Honor winning The Night Diary, as well as her recent book, uh, her most recent book, How to Find What You're Not Looking For, which just came out in paperback. Uh, Vera, thank you so much for taking time today. Uh, it's just been absolutely an honor and we wish you nothing but luck with the um, with subsequent uh, projects that you're working on. Thank you, thank you. I'm, I am working on a sequel to The Night Diary, so look for that in 2024. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Welcome back, everyone, as we wrap up this episode of Behind the Books. Thanks so much to Vera here in Ndandi for taking the time to talk to us. Very educational, I thought, Anna, talking to her. I know from The Night Diary and also how to find what you're not looking for. I could see why those books are kind of geared toward summer reading, because in addition to being great reads, you also learn some things like that you might not have known about. We didn't know a lot about the partition of India back in 1947, but we found out a lot about it from the book and just two really good books. I think people will enjoy reading them no matter what their age. When we were talking to her about The Night Diary and we were talking about the partition of India, it, it was kind of odd because the next day then I do a short story discussion group and something came up about um, you know second generation families in America and and we, someone brought up the partition of India and I could actually speak to it because <laughs> I had just talked with um, Vera about it the day before. So it was kind of interesting how all of a sudden something I had not heard of before was coming up in a regular conversation. I did, I, I definitely enjoy talking to her about The Night Diary just because it is, I mean, it's on my kids' summer reading list, but I enjoy talking to her about her story, how to find what you're not looking for. And just that she wrote that in the second person and how you don't see that done so often and how well it was done and how it really was this immersive experience when you're reading the book. So she really had some insight and again, just a, a, a very nice person to talk to. And Anna, she touched on it a little bit at the end there when, and we didn't really get a chance to talk to her as much as we wanted to about it, but she is working on a Night Diary sequel, which will be out down the road. So people need to keep an eye out for that. She did give us a little bit of a hint there that it's going to be from the brother's perspective. So we had the perspective of Nisha in the first one, and now we're going to get more of the brother's perspective in that one. And we also had a great conversation with Tanushri Ganguly from the Robbinsville branch. And I really enjoyed listening to her road to the library. We've had, she's one of a few now that we've talked to who started off just bringing their kids to the library enjoyed it so much and now they work at the library. When we interview staff members, sometimes we already kind of know the person. Sometimes we don't know them at all. Tanushri was someone who I really kind of contacted on a whim. Um, she had done a bunch of book reviews when we were creating a lot of YouTube content during the pandemic. And she just seemed really well read to me. And I'm like, you know what? I think she'll be fun to talk to. And I just learned so much about her and what her involvement is at the Robbinsville branch. Because again, you have these preconceived notions, what people are doing at their branches, and she is just going above and beyond. I love that she's um, helping coordinate the Diwali celebration at the branch and how it just seems like it's a big community event. So it really, it's one of those conversations that we had. And I just, once we hung up with her, it was, um, I just had warm fuzzies. It was just a great conversation. 
Well, Anna, I hope everyone enjoyed the first episode of year three. Again, we want to thank uh, Vera Hiranandani for speaking with us today, as well as Tanusri Ganguly. And Bob, I will see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narasik. Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoy.